Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. I'm your host for this week's episode. Obviously, my name is Dominic. I'm joined by David and Greg and a new guest on our show. Uh, we're joined by Brian. Hello. So it's another kind of uh, interesting week of football action, a crazy week in college, crazy week in the NFL. What, did, what are some of the takeaways you guys had? Uh, we'll, start with, uh, we'll start with David. Honestly, the game between the Browns and the Chargers, that was 10 times more exciting than I thought it would be. I honestly thought it would be a blowout to some extent. And while, yes, the Browns did get screwed on a play or on an official call, they, in a sense, also kind of screwed themselves a little bit. But overall, was a really good game. And I think that almost all the games were really good overall. Okay. All right. Brian, what, what did you think? Um, for this week, I think the biggest takeaway I had was the chiefs might be in a little bit of trouble. No shame losing to the bills, but when you get blown out like they did and their defense is looking like they did, they, they might be worrying a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, kind of agree with you there. But, um, Greg, what about you? My biggest takeaway is what my takeaway from last week was and and my predictions and everything is that Kyler Murray is on his way to MVP status. Wasn't a great win against San Francisco, but he definitely solidifies himself with uh, the ability to just, you know, keep the ball in motion and, you know, 17-10, only 5-0 team left. I'm I'm digging that. So I'm on the Murray train that this is going to be something that I think that we're going to be talking about for the rest of the season. I don't see this stopping anytime soon. Yeah, the, the Cardinals are definitely one of the teams that are performing a lot better than I expected them to be. Um, Murray's just playing out of the, out of his mind. Um, I'm hoping he can keep it going. But I think my biggest takeaway is you know the Browns' offense is for real. Um, I know the, the defense – kind of didn't show up there was a lot of injuries towards the end of the game I think they were just gassed and kind of just ran out of bodies but that offense is for real and if you know Odell catches that pass on on fourth down you know we could be talking about a different ball game or you know a couple blown coverages um, on the defensive side you know this could be a, a Browns win but yeah, my, my biggest takeaway is is that Browns offense. They played a lot better than I thought that they would. Um, we didn't know how bad Baker's injury was or how it was going to be affecting him. Um, but I think it showed that it's not really going to affect him as much going forward. So that's kind of my takeaway. So moving on to topic two of first down. So what are a player or a, you know, a unit on the team that you guys are watching out for? And we'll start with Brian on this one. Um, I think uh, I'm going to go with a uh, player is going to be uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Amazing uh, receiver, can catch just about anything. He didn't have the best game last weekend, but, I mean, he's going up against the Browns. We don't have the best uh, defense right now just because of injuries. So I think he's going to be having a great game. Uh, Greg, what about you? I'm not going to go with a player this week. I'm actually going to go with a team. And I know we're going to talk about it a little later, but as a whole, I want to see what the Raiders are going to do. If they can bounce back from 
you know, they, they seem to be potentially having a really good season and we've talked about it all throughout, you know, these episodes that they're going to be one to watch, especially come playoffs. And with the off the field stuff that's going on, uh, I just wonder if the team as a whole can bounce back. Uh, I definitely believe that that loss on Sunday was a complete reflection of the off field issues that are going on. And there was a lot of distractions that occurred. And uh, I just want to see the, the Raiders as a whole bounce back uh, offensively and defensively cars just, you know, doing phenomenal, you know, one of the leaders in passing and, and the defense we've, we've seen it a lot that they've stepped up in many ways. So I'm going to say the Raiders as a whole. Okay. All right. David, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Allen this time. So the fact that they held them to as low points as they did when everyone in last week's episodes thought this was going to be basically a shootout in a matter of whether a team team's defense would hold up on one or more plays when it really wasn't. So I'm going to say Josh Allen, if he can repeat uh, last week's performance. Okay. I think going off of um, kind of what you said, mentioning the chiefs, my, my player to watch this week is Patrick Mahomes. And that's because this is really the first time in his career that he's really going through a rough patch. Uh, maybe not so much him individually, but as a team, this doesn't look like the same Chiefs team that we've seen since he's taken over quarterback. So I, I want to see how he responds to adversity and if he can rally this team and kind of get them back on track to be the team that we know that they can be. Um, so I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch for this week and then really the weeks going forward because they've kind of started to dig dig themselves quite the hole um, in the AFC West. But moving on to second down, uh, the first topic here, Greg kind of alluded to it earlier, mentioning the Raiders. But, you know, now with John Gruden out, where do they go from here? And uh, Greg, you know, since you mentioned them, we'll start with you on this. Uh, honestly, I think that they've got a, a great group of core group of guys offensively and defensively. I alluded to that a little bit earlier. Uh, Rich Basica is stepping in as um, interim head coach. Well, obviously, we know how long interim head coaches tend to last, but he's been the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator for Gruden's entire tenure with the Raiders. Um, so I, I think that, that as long as they – finish out this year and go moving forward, you know, there's a possibility. I think Eric Benemy um, has been on the top of the list as far as candidates that could, if you're bet, a betting man, uh, Brian Dabble and Joe Brady are kind of also at the top of the list. Kellen Moore, I heard his name thrown out a little bit, but I think they're going to let um, Basica go through the rest of the season. I would assume so. And then move forward from there. So I think they go up from here. I don't necessarily see a downward sp- slide. Um, you know, my biggest thing, and maybe I'm just reading it into it too much, but when they said that he's out as Raiders head coach and there's not been a lot of talk, like I'm still wondering if behind the scenes he's still going to have a little bit of of input or, you know, knowledge sharing that's going on with that team. Um, obviously what he did was completely horrible and just horrible. You know, I, I, I've always said that he has the highest – you know, football IQ, and that's the only high IQ he has if the way he's thinking <laughs> is is what he's, you know, saying. So, um, yeah, I think they're going to 
think they're going to go up. Okay. All right, Brian, what do you think? Um, there's not that much I can add. I, I think the team for the rest of the year, they're going to be fine. They're very talented. I think Derek Carr is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. Uh, Crosby on defense has been great. So I think uh, as a team, they're going to be fine. They're going to get wins. I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs, but uh, interim head coach, he'll probably be fine for right now until they uh, do interviews and uh, pick the permanent guy. Okay. All right, David, what about you? Yeah, I think the guys pretty much covered everything that really needed to be covered. I think the guys on the team, the talent's there. There might be a down week or two uh, just to kind of like figure things through in a John Gruden-less led team. But I, like the other guys, think that they'll recover without John Gruden. And I don't know if they'll make it to the final four like I had predicted a few weeks ago because I, I like many one pretty much everyone else was unaware of what was going on and only saw what was going on in the field and thought they were doing well enough that they'd make the playoffs at the time. So give it a week or two and they might still be playing, making the playoffs in the final four. We'll find out sooner or later. So moving on to the second topic for second down Um, Sunday, Juju Smith-Schuster went down with a season ending injury. His contract's up at the end of the year. Do you guys think that this is the end of Juju in Pittsburgh? And, Brian, we'll start with you. Oh, man. I I want to say that they're going to keep him. They're going to sign him to an extension. Is He's one of their top receivers. I mean, him and Claypool are great. Uh, a lot of the problems that I feel like on their team has been with, you know, Big Ben, the offensive line. So I think if they can get a young quarterback in there, he would be a great receiver to throw to. I think it's just going to come down to they're going to have some cap issues for like next year. And uh, if Juju's going to be willing to work with them on how much money his contract's going to be worth. But I yeah. really hope he stays in there. Okay. Okay. And David, what about you? Do you think uh, Juju's staying around or do you think he's going to go somewhere else? It really comes down to does the front office want him back? Because as you know, Last few weeks of last season, he kind of not necessarily stirred drama, I guess you could put it, but or caused. I guess you could say that more so drama more than anything with this whole like dancing on the logo, acting immature, and it's like the Roonies have owned that franchise pretty much since it was created, so they have, especially within the last like thirty years a certain level of expectation of how you should play and how you act. If you're going to goof around and have some fun, but aren't performing like he did last year at the end of the season, then it's really up for debate. And with a season ending uh, injury, it, it just adds further more debate to it. So honestly, I have no clue there might be a chance that they bring him back for the reasons Brian pointed out is that he can be a good uh, receiver along with Chase Claypool and that the fact that they have much more issues to be worried about. But honestly, I have no clue overall. So. Okay. All right. Um, Greg, what about you? What do you think? 
Yeah, this is his last year in a Steelers uniform. And I have the yeah. old philosophy that you sign a guy to a one-year, $8 million contract. That means you only have faith in him enough for one year. Mm-hmm. His most productive year so far as a pro is like 2018. So if you had more faith in him and more faith in his abilities and his ability to play healthy, you would have possibly gone after him a different way and signed him for, you know, different. And I understand, you know, Ben with the cap space and all that, but he's 24. He's young. You know, you talked about the immaturity aspect of it. You know, he's a 24 year old kid. And uh, I think that, I think this is his last, you know, uniform wearing as a Steeler, and I, I, where he else he goes, not one hundred percent sure, but I think that if he gets healthy and and he's going to chase some money, and that's where it's going to be. Yeah, I, I think I have to agree with you there. I, the the talent's there, um, but I, I think it's more of a number two slot wide receiver. I think you know since Antonio Brown left, he's he's proven that he can't be, be that number one option. Um, you know, and for the production that they've gotten out of them for the last couple of years, they can go draft someone and pay them, you know, you know, $1.5, $2 million and get the same production. Or you can keep Juju around and pay him, you know, 9 to $10 million. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, I think they can get the same production for cheaper, especially because they're going to have some cap issues um, in the offseason. And they got some other holes on that team that they need to fill. Um, so, yeah. I think I think Juju's gone. Can't tell you where he's going to go, but it's definitely not Pittsburgh. But moving on to topic three, kind of keeping with the same trend here. If you were the Browns GM, would you trade OBJ before the deadline, or would you wait till the off season, or you know, hell, would you keep him uh, for next season as well? So, Greg, let's start with you. Well, there's a balance of fourteen and a half million dollars left on his contract. Should they trade him? Yes. Will they trade him? Probably not. I think that he's just got enough of a aura of explosive possibilities that uh, you could see them just trying to see throughout the rest of the year and then possibly look at that at the end of next year. But I mean, in last week's game, he only accounted for 20 of the team's 531 total yards. I just don't see him. He he hasn't worked out for them. I mean, we've covered that over and over again how statistically and you know me with statistics is that um when obj is not in the game baker's percentages uh, have gone up the win percentages went up yards went up and they're less when he's in the game and that has to do with them thinking the possibility of throwing to him so uh you know i think you've got jarvis landry i think you've got a lot of good talent you know stefanski has in him and uh should yes will no okay david what about you i'm honestly kind of along the same boat because like greg said the performance has not been there and i think it's mainly because he's he was so used to being that number one guy for so long and then when he got to cleveland he suddenly became kind of like a number two guy because by that time we had Jarvis Landry and he became kind of our number one receiver and the guys rallied around him and Odell wasn't that center figure. So for me, it's more of the personality issue. He like, 
he likes to be the center wide receiver, the main guy, but hasn't lived up to that expectation of being that main guy like he wants to be. And with the offense that's being worked with, which is a run-heavy offense with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, it, the possibility is down for him being that main guy that he used to be. Okay. All right, Brian, what about you? Are you trading OBJ? I don't think they're going to trade him at the deadline, but I think they're going to get rid of him in the offseason. I mean, with uh, with him, a lot of it comes down to the chemistry with Baker Mayfield. I mean, you see, like, him and Landry, they uh, they have some chemistry. Last year, he had chemistry with uh, Higgins when uh, OBJ went out with the injury. Mm-hmm. But him and OBJ, they just cannot seem to get on the same page. And, I mean, every once in a while, he has an okay game. But it's just he's not putting in the numbers that make his contract worth what it is. And uh, I think when they kind of drafted Anthony Schwartz, I think that that was kind of them getting ready to possibly move off of OBJ next year. And uh, I mean, it sucks because he's still a good player to me, but he just doesn't work with Baker Mayfield that well. And I think that uh, him getting moving on to another team and then moving on to another receiver is best for both parties. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I think they should trade him at this point, but, they're not going to get what they – they're going to be able to get more for them in the offseason. They're not going to be able to get a lot for them midseason. So I think they'll they'll hold on to them for now, try to make it work the best that they can. Um, and I, I think going into next season, I think the dead cap, if they were to get rid of them, is, is going to be very minimal. Um, so getting rid of them makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think that he's gone, and I, I do think that, you know, People will step up. You got, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins. You drafted Anthony Schwartz. The the receiving room is going to be fine. Um, but, yeah, I think he's gone. Um, so, moving on to third down, we're going to recap last week's game of the week between the Chiefs and the Bills. It's kind of a crazy game. Didn't really go um, as I thought that it would. But um, we'll start with uh, start with Brian. What, what did you think of the game? Um, I thought that, uh, I mean, I picked the Bills to win that game. I wasn't surprised when they did, but I was just, I was surprised with how m- much Patrick Mahomes struggled. He just did not look himself. He was missing some throws. Um, their defense just could not stop Josh Allen. I mean, and uh, they did a really good job of shutting down Terry Kill. I mean, usually he is a deadly weapon, but last or uh, last week, yeah, he just could not get open, couldn't do what he normally does, and you could tell their offense suffered because of it. So I think uh, this was definitely a power shift in the AFC, going from the Chiefs being like the team to beat to get to the Super Bowl. Now I think it's going to be the Bills that you have to beat to get there. Okay, damn, that, that was a pretty bold statement there, but I kind of I kind of agree with you. Um, I, I do think that the Bills are the team to beat the AFC now. But um, Greg, what do you what do you think? I mean, yeah, we all we all said this, and then we picked it like we discussed earlier. We thought it would be a bigger of a shootout, but it really came down to turnovers. Buffalo had zero turnovers, and Kansas City had four. And, I mean, total yards, not that much of a difference, like forty yards difference when it comes to offense. Um, time of possession was less actually for 
um, Buffalo, they only had it for 27 minutes, whereas Casey had it for 32. But that that score didn't show that. I mean, if you were in about 18 points, Josh Allen is the leading rusher. You know, like it's just, you know, Casey even had more first downs. They had 29 first downs versus Buffalo's 20. They still just couldn't capitalize on anything. And like, like I said before, it's turnovers that really got it going. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's it, it was surprising how just I don't know if it, if it was unfocused or they just had a bad game, but they the Chiefs didn't look like the Chiefs, um, and um, I'm hoping going forward they can fix it. But I don't know, David. What do you think? I think that this basically, in a way, cements the Bills as being a legitimate powerhouse that. The, the team basically create that the ownership or the front office created and wanted it to be. And they just couldn't ever really prove it because the Kansas City Chiefs were basically going God mode every week with Patrick Mahomes at the lead. And the fact that they did this against the Chiefs, even though, yeah, the defense, we talked about it before, was not always there. And the offense is not always there, but either way, they're still going to score a massive ton of points. And they did that and they, they limited the chiefs to however many points that they got. So I think that this just basically proves that the bills are legitimate this year. Okay. Kind of going off that, do you guys think that the chiefs can, can rebound or do you think they're kind of going to have a down year? I think they're going to rebound. I mean, they're they're still a good team. They have their issues, but I mean, I would n- I learned to not bet against Patrick Mahomes. Just when you think he's down, he's going to bounce back. He's a lot like Tom Brady in that. He's no Tom Brady. Don't don't get it twisted. TB12 <laughs> is TB12 for a reason. <laughs> when you got seven and probably going for eight this year, there's the. Mahomes. My thing with with Mahomes is, is the same thing, and I know I talked to Brian about this off camera, is that I think that it's the, the Lamar, Lamar Jackson factor. It's the fact that that first year Lamar Jackson was in the league, nobody knew what to expect, and nobody could counteract what he was doing. That's why he did so well. And I think that after a couple seasons, now people figured out in Lamar Jackson, and they were able to you know run their their defenses a little counter to what he was doing. I think the same thing's happening now with Patrick Mahomes is that defenses are starting to figure them out and starting to say, Hey, I can kind of see what you're doing. And you only have a couple different outs, you know, where, you know, you're only going to throw to Kelsey. You're, you know, so you, you just have these moments where I'm not saying he's a complete fraud, but I'm just saying that he's been figured out a little bit differently. And I think that, that they'll bounce back this season, but I think it's going to be a lot harder of a climb than we expected to, two years ago when we saw him play so i think that's all pretty fair but moving on to fourth down uh this week's game of the week that i I picked is between the chargers and the ravens um two teams that are having amazing seasons Uh, both teams only have one loss what do you what do you guys think do you think this is going to be close game do you think it's going to be do you think one of these teams can surprise us and make it a blowout um, Brian, let's start with you. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot like uh, the Chargers Browns game. I mean, you got a very mobile quarterback like Lamar Jackson against a team that we saw last week, Nick Chubb, 
and Kareem Hunt, you know, they did a lot of work against that defense because it's just not that good against the run. And uh, I think uh, it's going to be a shootout where Lamar Jackson's going to be running the ball a lot and they're just not going to be able to stop him. And then they're just not going to be able to stop uh, Justin Herbert on the Ravens side either. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, Greg, what do you think? Yeah, like if I looked at this schedule and I looked at this game two, three days ago, even just with how Lamar Jackson's been playing and I would have said, okay, this Justin Herbert's just been a beast all year. He's such a, you know, a fantastic player, Um, you know, being drafted by the Chargers, perfect fit for what he needed to accomplish. But then after last night's game, Lamar Jackson just like, it's a obviously the Colts are, are a crap team this year, and you know I, there's not a lot to say about what was going on. And but I think just his performance last night kind of gave me a little bit of a wonder. I still think the Chargers are going to win, but it's not going to be by as much as I thought. They give up about the same amount of yards, but the defense on the Chargers side just stacks up just a little bit more. Um, they're only allowed about 18 and a half points per game, whereas Baltimore is allowing 23 points a game. So, you know me, I'm a statistics guy. Numbers don't lie. So that's what I like. Okay. All right, David, what about you? After the Browns Chargers game, I think that like Greg, I think the, the Chargers will win. And for me, like I've always said, it always comes down to the defense. Yes, this is a league that is very offensive heavy and it proves that defense doesn't always win championships and that if you have a really good offense it basically counters that statement and it really comes down to defense really just stepping up maybe a drive or two maybe three can only make the biggest difference in the game so it, it really just comes down to when is that defense going to step up, if it's going to step up, or are they going to go lights out and shut down the other opposing team in an une- basically unexpected way. And so, but again, I think the Chargers will win this one. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement here that the, the Chargers are going to win. I, I think it's going to be a shootout, but I, I think the Chargers are going to, really cement themselves as probably the number two team um, in the AFC. Just the way that they've been playing is just Herbert's playing out of his mind. Um, Austin Eckler is really coming on. I think he's really having a breakout season. Um, I mean, we all pretty much knew who he was anyways, but I I think he's taken his game to another level. Um, Having Mike Williams, you know, fully healthy and effective is – obviously just added another dynamic to this offense that no one's really been able to stop. And I don't really see that really changing anytime soon. Um, So moving on to the two point conversion, the final segment of the episode, what is one prediction um, that you guys have for this week in, in football could be college, could be NFL. Um, Brian, let's start with you. Uh, I'm going to say after this week, there's going to be no, uh, unbeaten team in the NFL. I think uh, stole my Brown- thunder there. I should have had you go last. 
I, I think the Browns got what it takes. Uh, I just heard earlier today uh, one of their best edge rushers uh, just uh, got COVID positive, so he might be out for the game, which would be a big help for the Browns. And uh, I just I got that feeling that the Browns could win. Okay. All right, David, what about you? I think that Josh Allen basically cements the fact that he should also, like Kyler Murray, be in the MVP talks and show that the Bills are a playoff and even to an extent, maybe even a Super Bowl worthy team. Damn. Okay. Greg, what's your prediction? Let's see. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad Brian had that. I, I, I believe that the Cardinals are going to be 6-0 and versus the Browns. Um, I, I just think it's, it's too much. I think Kyler Murray's arm is too much. I think his legs are too much. I just think that the Browns have showed so many different weaknesses throughout this, this season. And, and I, like I said at the beginning, and I, I have the same stance as last week as well. I started with the Cardinals, ended with the Cardinals, and do the same thing this week. I'm on the Murray train. I think that he is just a phenomenal kid. And um, just my thing is about character and about humility. And there's a difference between, and this has nothing to do with uh, on the field type of stuff. But when you look at somebody like Baker, who's just doing commercials and doing this and doing that, and you look at Kyler Murray, who is just focused on winning football and playing football and playing good football and focused on his team. That's just where the, the character part of it plays into me, but that's a separate topic. For, but the Cardinals beat the Browns. I'm a Patriots guy, so I'm not, you know, Cardinals beat the Browns and that's it. Yeah, I might be a little biased. <laughs> I mean, I, I try to keep my bias out of it as well. Um, just looking at how these teams match up, the Cardinals' run defense isn't that great, and the Browns have arguably the best rushing attack in football. Um, so I think they'll be able to to keep up with the with the Cardinals' offense. Um, I'll feel a little bit more comfortable with my prediction if Jarvis Landry is able to come back this week. Um, if he's able to come back and he's healthy, I think. I think the Browns can squeak this one out. I think the this defense has shown that they have the capability of stopping, you know, some really good offenses. We look at what we did, what they did in uh, Minnesota, and I, we look at how they did in Chicago. I know, obviously, playing the Bears, not, not that great of a team. It was Justin Fields' first start, um, but it was still a pretty impressive defensive effort. And then, again, shutting down Minnesota kind of had a, a stinker of a game against the Chargers, but I think that they do have the capability of, you know, at least slowing down a good offense. And I think we have the offense that can keep up with anyone. So if the Cardinals are going to lose any game this year, I think this could be the one to do it. But moving on to the final uh, segment here, do a nice little trivia question for you guys. So I'll just ask, I'll just ask the question. You guys can answer no specific order, just, you know, when you have an answer, just shout it out. But what is the NFL record for most rushing yards in one game? And who, who holds that record? I want to say it's like 298 yards or something like that. Who had it? Uh, was it Lewis? Nope. But you, you were pretty damn close on the, on the yardage there, bud. I'm gonna say Does anyone three, else have a guess? So I'm going to say 320 and Barry Sanders. Nope. Brian, you got a guess? Yards-wise, if it's, I want to say, 310 and, uh, crap, I'm blank, blanking on the name, uh, old school uh, Browns r running back. Jim Brown? Yeah. Nope. 
So David was closest on the yards. Um, he was only two off, but the record was set by Adrian Peterson back in 2007 with 296 yards rushing in one game. It's, uh, hey, it's absolutely hey, insane. <laughs> Adrian Peterson was like, I thought about it and just was like, oh. Yeah. So a little bit more into that, I'm, I'm looking uh, on the website here. In one, he also has in the same game, he set the record for most yards in one half with 253. He had 253 wow. yards in one half. <laughs> they didn't really need him to play the rest of the game, so he only had like 40 yards the next half. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, yeah. The only reason I knew it was like it was it didn't break 300 was because I had watched a YouTube video on the I think it was Jerome Harrison and how he had the most mm-hmm. the game and he had like top three or four rushing yards in a game. Yep. I remember that game. I think that was against the chiefs. Mm. And I just remember it was like the mid to upper two nineties. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one hell of a performance, but yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, pretty much wraps up the episode for this week. I want to thank you guys for coming on. Thanks Brian for, for joining us for this week's episode. So Thanks that being time. said, Thank you, everyone, for giving us another listen. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.